Today is August 3rd, 2021, and our first story with major breaking news, New York has announced vaccine mandates for most indoor activities. That means if you want to go out to eat, to see entertainment performances, go to the gym, you will need proof of vaccination. There are many people with medical reasons as to why they can't get it, so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. In our next story, Maricopa County and Dominion voting have refused to comply with subpoenas from the state Senate. Now one state senator is demanding their arrest immediately. And in our last story, Andrew Cuomo, according to a report from the New York Attorney General, did in fact sexually harass and even assault some women. Now Democrats and Republicans are calling for his resignation or his impeachment. If you like this show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City has announced mandatory vaccinations, the first in the nation, announcing his key to NYC pass. They say that indoor dining, fitness, entertainment and performances will require proof of vaccination. I think the reason they're framing it this way is because supermarkets and general bodegas where you can buy food are not going to require vaccines, which makes no sense, does it? If we're really trying to end a pandemic, you can't just give exemptions to some people for some areas. Suppose they have no choice, though. You take away people's food and they lose their minds. What we're seeing here is pressure. Bill de Blasio said it. This is to encourage people to get the vaccine so it ends the pandemic. But in my opinion, a, the, the, a medical uh, medication, a medical procedure, be it small or you know as small as a vaccine, is between you and your doctor. The government should not be mandating this. Now, as it pertains to employers, I think small businesses I err on the side of. Bigger businesses, not so much. To clarify from the other day, because people asked on the IRL podcast what my opinions were on employers mandating vaccines. In some circumstances, I would say uh, big businesses probably can, but it's tough. I usually lean towards defending the employee over the employer unless it's a small business. Scale matters. I don't think customers should ever have to have, to have mandated vaccinations. I think a business with a small number of employees can make that decision for themselves because an employer doesn't owe you anything. An employer should be able to fire you for any reason they want. Now, I get it. There is a big ethical conundrum when it comes to someone's medical history and their medical decisions, in which case I think you should be able to get an, a simple exemption for a, a large variety of reasons. And I err on the side of the employee for that. Some people are asking for clarification. So there it is. Ultimately, I think this is a dark, dark direction and it's only going to get worse. It will. It won't end here. As I've stated before, what I expect to happen is in the next 20 or 30 years, Someone will be going to get their first driver's license and they'll go to the DMV or whatever it's called in your area, the Department of Motor Vehicles. And the person at the counter will be like, OK, so for your license, you, you pass the test. OK, now I need your uh, I need a birth certificate, Social Security card, your vaccination card and a piece of mail with your address on it. And they're going to go, here you go. I have everything. And that's going to be how you get your ID. Here's the important thing about what's happening in New York. They're saying if you want to go in to these specific areas indoors, will this include voting? is a very important question. Right now, they're saying indoor activities, restaurants, gyms, entertainment performances. So the answer is likely no. However, I'm, I'm, I would make the assumption this will expand. I don't think it's going to end here. Here's the story from The Hill. 
New York City will require proof of vaccination for workers and customers who want to participate in indoor activities, including dining, uh, dining in restaurants, working out in gyms and attending theater performances, de Blasio announced Tuesday. The policy is one of the first of its kind in the U.S. and comes amid a nationwide spike in COVID infections, driven largely by the spread of the Delta variant. The key to NYC pass program will begin August 16th and enforcement will begin September 13th, de Blasio said during a news conference. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary for, for, for living a good, full, and healthy life. If you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. Well, I just, that's shockingly insane. Pregnant woman. Sorry, you're not allowed to go outside anymore. Person with uh, pre-existing conditions. Too bad. Only the best, strongest genetics, supposedly, or apparently. Private businesses, including sports arenas, concert halls, that wanted to require proof of the vaccination could use their app, the Excelsior Pass. The mayor on Tuesday said there will be multiple ways to show proof of vaccination, including a paper card, the Excelsior Pass, and the city's own NYC COVID Safe app, which was unveiled Monday. While other major cities, including D.C., San Francisco, and L.A., have all recently reimposed mask mandates, de Blasio has expressed a reluctance to require them. During the press conference, he insisted the city focus has to be on vaccination. Our strategy is vaccine centric. Anything and everything we do is to support vaccination. Anything less than vaccination isn't going to get us where we need to go, de Blasio said. What we want to nail is people getting vaccinated and very bluntly showing life is much better when you're vaccinated. That is scum. These people are evil. Please pay attention. Look, if, if you work for a small business and the employer says, I don't want to employ you, I'm like, that's a small business. You're not a customer. Still, it's a, it's, it's a libertarian position, I suppose, to say a business can choose, you know, to a great degree. With customers, it's different. It's different. You have a massive scale. I don't believe you should have a right to discriminate against someone based on their medical history. I just do not. And de Blasio is specifically saying it's a punitive policy, a punitive policy to punish people, many of whom can't get it even if they wanted to. And I've, I'll show you. I have the story. I have the Instagram post from Pete Parada. He, he by, by no fault of his own, he is unable to get this vaccine. He is, he is now kicked out of his band, parted ways with his band. I don't know the specifics of, of, of his departure. They say, the program is the most aggressive move to date by de Blasio to try and increase the city's vaccination rate. About 66% of the city's adults are fully vaccinated, but the rates vary throughout different parts of the city. Last week, he offered a $100 incentive to city residents and employees who make an appointment at city-run vaccination sites. On Monday, he mandated that all new city employees get vaccinated as a condition of employment. De Blasio acknowledged that not everyone's going to agree with this, but insisted the move is necessary to save lives. He also defended the legality of the policy saying the Justice Department has made it clear that mandates are legal, even though the vaccines are not yet fully approved by the FDA. <laughs> what? De Blasio said he thinks the policy will provide a push for younger New Yorkers to get the vaccine, especially service industry employees. He said he hopes similar policies get adopted by private industries and other governments. I'm taking this action in part to inspire others to follow suit, de Blasio said. The policy is racist, extremely racist. It greatly benefits, benefits Asians. I bring you now to the Bloomberg.com COVID tracker, and we have this uh, graph, vaccinated share of each race or ethnicity's population. And if we take a mosey on down to old New York City, what do we find? 
we find the black population is only 33% vaccinated. The white population, 47%. The Hispanic, 44%. And the Asian is, uh, community is 77.2% vaccinated. What's going to happen? Who's going to get to go to movie theaters? Who's going to get to go to bars and to restaurants? Mostly Asian people. Mostly not black people. That's, that's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And what about people, like I said, who can't get it? The other big factor here is that young people are substantially less likely to have gotten the vaccine. I don't know. I think, I think the chart may be here. Okay. I don't know if I have the chart pulled up. Actually, I do have it. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, here we go. This is from covid19.health.ny.gov. In New York, we can see that vaccination percentage of population by, by age group, most people who are vaccinated, 65 to 74, 90%. So they're going to be going around doing whatever they want. We do have people 12 to 15 at 42%, 16 to 25, 57%. There are going to be a lot of young people. That's what Bill de Blasio said. He wants to convince the young people. I'll tell you where we're going. All you got to do is take a look at what the, uh, the, the, the neolib elites are saying. Matthew Iglesias, one of the founders of Vox.com, V-O-X, tweeted and then deleted this tweet. He said, uh, in, in, a, man, a man tweeted at him, I'm at 11 out of 10 on mandatory vaccination with a quote. Matthew Iglesias said, no penalty. Absent politics, my policy would be you either get jabbed voluntarily within the next X weeks and get $50 or else you get jabbed later while someone holds you down and you get zero. Where do you think this goes? Do you think it ends here? Do you think that these extremists who are demanding you be medicated without your approval, permission or advice from a doctor, you think holds you down if you don't do it. Now, he deleted all of his tweets. Matthew Iglesias Iglesias purged his entire Twitter account saying that he shouldn't have engaged with people in this way and it was a mistake. Well, thanks for letting the taking the mask off, Matt. So we we know exactly what you believe. You're an authoritarian. You're uh, uh, that's it. I, you know, we like using the word fascist. Because it, it, it rings, you know, to, it, it, it reminds us of this horrible time in history. But fascism is specific. Authoritarian doesn't carry as much weight. That's the problem. But this is a man, no doubt, who would kill you if he had the chance. Okay, maybe that's a little tough. But think about what he's saying right here. The collective good above all else, no matter what. That's exactly what's led to so many mass murders throughout history. And I, and I tell you this, it's not about Matt as an individual, because I'm sure he would come out now and say, no, 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 I don't mean it like that. Oh, geez. Oh, no, you're taking me out of context. No, he's the kind of person that when the ball starts rolling and they start saying, line him up, he says, why not? It's for the greater good. Utilitarians versus deontological thinkers. Deontology is... You know, every action is an independent action. So typically when you're when you're thinking in terms of deontological morality, you're saying that you cannot make decisions based on some end goal. You have to consider what it means before you do it. Holding someone down and sticking them with something is a violation of at least how I view the world. People have a choice. People have to be convinced. You have to agree with each other. Now, as I've often said, I'm left libertarian. I'm not right libertarian. You know, my buddy Luke, you see him on the Timcast IRL podcast. He's right libertarian. So we have some disagreements, but the libertarian thing is mostly where we agree. Don't force each other to do anything. You know what? It makes it really easy for Luke. Why? Because he's got cash. That's right. The right libertarians are like, yo, I got money and they can dish it out. And money is a great persuader. 
And I'm okay with that. Left libertarian, I think we should have mutual aid agreements, volunteer, uh, volunteerism. So we're basically saying with left libertarian, hey, would you guys be willing to work with me on this? That's about it. Now, of course, right libertarians have that as well, because the, the overarching you know, system is libertarian, is freedom. If you can't convince someone to, to agree with you and work with you, then you, you don't get to do anything at all. I just think we'd be better off with certain systems, with more cooperation. Unfortunately, for the left libertarian position, you're almost never going to succeed. I get it. It's, 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 it's hard mode. It's life on hard mode. Now, Political Compass Memes likes to pretend that left libertarian is woke, and that makes literally no sense because the woke people are authoritarians. They're just ideologues. It doesn't make sense. Left libertarians are the crystal-wearing hippies in the backyard saying, like, dude, you don't have to be here, man. Like, we're all sitting around working hard for our tomato crop, and you don't got to be here. And then they leave. That's it. The right libertarian is the guy who walks up and says, that's some good tomatoes. I got some gold. And they say, I'll take that gold. Thank you for the tomatoes. And that's, <laughs> there you go. That's where we're at. These people are insane. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Check out this story. This one's this one is the perfect example of everything I've been saying. This is from 1057thepoint.com. Offspring drummer can't get COVID-19 vaccine for medical reasons, so won't play upcoming shows. I guess they're saying this is from ABC News. I didn't find that on ABC News, but I, I can verify this through the guy's Instagram account. But they say in a lengthy Twitter thread and post on Instagram, offspring drummer Pete Parada explains why he won't be joining his band for their upcoming performances. Saying he has some unfortunate and difficult news to share, Parada reveals, given my personal medical history and the side effects profile of these vaccines, my doctor has advised me not to get the shot, get a shot at this time. Parada then goes on to explain, I caught the virus over a year ago. It was mild for me, so I am confident I'd be able to handle it again. But I'm not so certain I'd survive another post-vaccination round of Guillain-Barre syndrome, probably pronouncing it wrong, which dates back to my childhood and has evolved to be progressively worse over my lifetime. Since I am unable to comply with what is increasingly becoming an industry mandate, it has recently been decided that I am unsafe to be around in the studio and on tour. I mention this because you won't be seeing me at these upcoming shows. The offspring didn't just say you're not coming to the shows. They're saying you can't even be in the studio with us. That's crazy. It's crazy. This guy, by no fault of his own, is now a second class citizen. And that is insane. 
I think what y'all need to understand when I when I mentioned the other day, I said if businesses want to mandate vaccines, it's it's coming from a libertarian position that someone who's got a lemonade stand with 10 employees has no obligation to give those people anything. He can fire you or or, or for whatever reason he wants. I, I, I it's shocking to me that we have some of the, the laws that we do on the books now. I am still left lib, which means when it comes to larger monopolistic businesses, I, that's where the, the change happens. Mandating hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people blindly without exemption is wrong. This is wrong. So I want to clarify in the beginning, I said that, you know, it's not necessarily Offspring's fault. Other venues are doing this. And I want to stress some studios. There was a guy in Facebook I saw. He posted. He works in a studio. He says he will not work with people who are not vaccinated no matter what. No matter what, second class citizens and racist nonetheless, because as I showed you, the lowest vaccination rates are among black Americans. This is wrong. You can encourage people. You can tell them everything. And I think I've certainly done the best job out of anybody. I know, I know people are disagreeing. People are saying, Tim, you're a vaccine shell. I'm saying, go talk to your doctor. You know why? Outside of YouTube's rules, this dude, Pete Parada, went to his doctor he didn't show up to a gas station, 7-Eleven or whatever, and have some dude randomly administer some, med- 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 uh, some medication. He went to his doctor and his doctor said, because of Guillain-Barre syndrome, you should not be getting this. And that is important. We do not want people getting injured. And I think YouTube should take a look at their policies when celebrities come out and just tell people to go do it. And no, you should, I-, I will not give medical advice nor financial advice. This is why. I will not. I am not willing to sacrifice a single person. But Matthew Iglesias seems to be. He says, I have no negative feelings towards my band. They're doing what they believe is best for them while I am doing the same. Parada clarifies. He then declares unequivocally that I support informed consent, which which necessitates choice unburdened by coercion. He adds that he doesn't believe in allowing those with the most power government, corporations, organizations, employers to dictate medical procedures to those with the least power. Parada asks that people not dominate, dehumanize and shout down to each other, noting that the vaccine hesitant population is not a monolithic group. All voices deserve to be heard. He ends by saying he's got other projects in the works, adding, I deeply appreciate your understanding and support as my family and I find my family and I find a new way forward. You know what, man? I grew up as a very, very big fan of the offspring. I think the original drummer was Ron Welty. It could be getting the name wrong. It's been a long time. I will say right now, uh, I, I'm not a fan at all over this. I don't care what their reasoning is. You're, you're supposed to be punk, but we know they're never really punk. These pop punk get punk, punk these pop punk bands, pro establishment. There is a song by The Offspring, one of their original songs. Maybe back when they were uh, trying to be edgier. I can't say the name of the song. I literally cannot say the name of the song. They removed it from, it was on their self-titled album. It was removed subsequently because it was a, uh, um, <laughs> it was a threat. Uh, let's just say the name of the song was Threatening the President. I can say that. And uh, I'm a, I was a big fan. I had, uh, I had all their albums. And this, when, I, when I, was, I was like 12 or 13, started playing the guitar. It was when Americana came out and I was a huge fan. And that actually got me into some other punk bands and into more like, anti-establishment, anti-government, anarchist kind of punk rock away from the punk, the pop punk stuff. And uh, in, the, in the end, I can't say that uh, uh, I'm surprised to see all of this as, as it goes with most of these bands, that they, that, uh, they, they, they sing the songs, they, they talk about the things they oppose, the things they support, 
their true beliefs, and then the contract comes in, and then the money comes in, and then everything changes, and they're no longer libertarians. Now, I'm sure many on the left would say something similar of me. Tim, what happened to you? I was never an authoritarian. I was never advocating for the government to mandate people's personal lives. I'm not going to pretend to be an anarchist. At least I was when I was younger. Then I became more liberal. Like, I don't think taxation is theft. That's not an authoritarian position, but it's substantially more authoritarian than the libertarian or ANCAP position. Although I'm sure from their perspective, I'm as far as you can go. No, because I'm a left lib. I think taxation is fine, but I understand mutual agreements. And I also agree with conservative, I'm sorry, with, with, the, with the libertarian right when they say they never agreed, never agreed to that contract to pay those taxes. My response is even more libertarian than them. Bro, Chiron, Mexico, it exists. You don't have to live in this place. You were born into it, I understand. But if there is something most people are agreeing to and abiding by, you don't have to. That being said, I'm actually more proponent of the Free State Project and what they're doing with New Hampshire. So if you're not familiar, you definitely want to check that out. And everybody who is a libertarian or ANCAP or anarchist, I don't care if you're left or right. I don't care if you claim to be Antifa. If you truly are an anarchist, and that means and without archie authority, you go to New Hampshire and you vote for anarchy. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people in New Hampshire saying, don't tell Antifa to come here. No, there's a lot of left anarchists. And ultimately, in the end, if we can all agree to back away and leave each other alone, I'm fine with it. But, you know, stay away from the communist types. Don't don't communists. You don't want to go up there. You know, you're going to have a bunch of people with guns telling you to back off. You'll have no chance of your communism. Tankies, right? But if you're an anarchist, I, I, I think the best thing to do is not go to Chiron, although you could, because I'm, I know a lot of people who, who have been down there who are fans of it and can live freely and set their own agreements. But you can go to New Hampshire and you can vote these things in. You can take control and I'm an advocate for that. So here's what I would say. If you don't like taxation, and I got I to gotta admit, I'm not a fan of what the government does with taxes. I'm saying principally the idea of everyone pay, pitching in, paying a, a decent amount towards mutual assistance. I like what the United States does with the taxes. I do not like. I don't like the Federal Reserve System. I do not like what they're, how, the war machine. So right. I am strongly opposed to the current allocation and the current taxation system we have. I think it's totally broken. That being said, what, what do we do? We, we vote, we organize, we, we activate, we go up to New Hampshire, places like that, and we say, freedom, 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 across the board. Move to areas that are more free, vote 100%, more, more, more freedom. I'd love to have uh, uh, Pete on the show. I don't know what his, his, his political leanings are or anything like that. Uh, I'd love to, to talk to him and, and, and check out, uh, uh, I don't know, you know what, man? Getting booted is probably brutal and... Uh, that's not cool. It's kind of a bummer. It's a, it's a bummer. This is going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. Blue states, it's going to keep happening. Now, here's what's interesting. They're saying that these mandates are going into effect on the 16th. Jack Posobiec has tweeted that a White House official said in the second week of August, they're talking about lockdowns coming back. Maybe it's not lockdowns in the way we think. Maybe the lockdowns are essentially vaccine mandates. Maybe what's more likely to happen is that instead of Biden coming out and saying everyone's got to stay home again, he says everyone who's not vaccine has to stay home. And then what do you think is going to happen? People are going to beg the government, please, government, I'll do anything you say because I'm a coward. I told you I'll get away from these cities, man. Ain't nobody coming to my property. I got enough property, enough lawn. I can walk around outside all I want for is for a decent distance. And there's nobody out here. So if you're in those cities, well, 
you're probably going to end up in a cubicle apartment. And I don't know what to say. Let me just add one thing for everybody. The idea of freedom, liberty, it is not black and white. It is not easy. And the business uh, mandating vaccines is probably one of the best examples. Many people said that it was authoritarian of me to say businesses should be allowed to do it. And my answer is a private business can do what it wants. The government can't tell a private business who they can or can't hire. Well, here, here lies the, the trouble. I do believe in some protections against discrimination because I'm not an, an, uh, an, uh, an anarchist or uh, I wouldn't even say I'm, a, I'm, I'm definitely not a big L libertarian. I'm just left libertarian ish. If a guy runs a small business and he says, you know, well, he doesn't owe you anything. Uh, the, whoever runs the business, they don't owe you anything. And you don't owe, owe them anything. If you can't come to an agreement, then. But some people have also said, so Tim, you're saying businesses can fire people who've had abortions. And I'm like, yo, what did I just say? Libertarian. They can fire you for whatever reason they want. I do think there are some restrictions. I'm not saying 100% that's the case. I don't like the idea of discriminating against people on the basis of race or gender identity or anything like that. I'm not a fan. But it is a difficult position to say the government has the authority to tell people what they can or can't do with with who they hire and how they run their business. I really do think that's insane. There's challenges, though. There are. I don't have all the answers. I can't pretend that uh, every I don't like the idea that people would just be like, oh, you're being inconsistent on this one. And it's like, dude, these are different issues. and We're trying to solve different problems. So when people talk, there are some people who think the vaccines should be mandatory because we're trying to end a pandemic and it's a serious crisis for the greater community. The problem I have uh, with that argument is just who do you trust? Do you trust the government? Do you trust the centralized authority? And it's like, I don't know. When it comes to the issue of race, the, the, the challenge I see is that people don't go to a doctor to determine their race. They don't go to a doctor and then say, hey, doc, what do I do? No, it's like who they are. With vaccines, a doctor could tell you no, like this, like Pete Parada. So look, I'm not gonna pretend to have all the answers. I'm typically trying to navigate these moral questions to figure out what makes the most sense. The liberty tends to make the most sense just in terms of efficiency and, and, and for the prosperous growth of a nation. And what I mean by growth, I mean development, progress. I don't mean millions upon billions of people. No, I just mean like improving, advancing, reaching for the stars, making life better for everybody, reducing poverty, things like that decentralization has proven itself to be better time and time again. But pure decentralization isn't perfect. We don't want to be a chicken with its head cut off. So there's got to be some kind of system by which we have decision making. Hey, a constitutional republic seems to do that. I'm not going to pretend I have all the answers, my friends. And by all means, I think sometimes, you know, uh, you look at one issue and you say this should happen at this time. And then people say that's not morally consistent with what you said last time. And it's like, then maybe I need to think about that. It's like what Jordan Peterson said when he was asked, he said, businesses shouldn't be forced to serve people. And then Jim Jeffries said, what about civil rights and black people? And then Jordan Peterson goes, hmm, well, perhaps I was wrong about that. That's the mature response. That's what we're trying to do. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The Arizona State Senate has issued subpoenas to Maricopa County and Dominion voting who are now refusing to comply with legitimate legal requests. And they're giving excuses. I mean, Dominion saying it violates their company's constitutional rights. And honestly, maybe let's see how that plays out in court. And Maricopa County saying, hey, we already gave you this, but also some of the other information, it would violate the privacy rights of citizens and individuals. Well, I tell you this, the state Senate 
has the subpoena power. This is a very weird battle, in my opinion. Now, I'm all for the audits, 100%, because I think the voters have to have confidence in the system. If you lose confidence, the system doesn't exist. So when we saw all of the, the, the happenings around the November 3rd election, my attitude was like, let the lawsuits happen, let people get their evidence, play it out in court properly, because people need to feel like, for one, they're being heard, two, they have an opportunity for a redress of grievances, and three, prove them wrong. It's, it's, it's what's so difficult about that. that. That's the thing that's blowing my mind. Just say, okay, do your audit, whatever you lost. Have a nice day. Apparently that's not happening, I guess. And now they're defying subpoenas. And so I'll just tell you this, man. If you want to make sure you shatter the confidence of people in the voting system, this is how you respond. But on the other side, the left is saying that these are conspiracy theorists on the right, and they fear that they're going to inject things or misinterpret things, and it will actually question or break confidence in the voting systems that they can do this. I got to be honest, there's a point there. Think about it. You want to vote, you go to a system, and then what, how would you feel if like the other side, no matter which side you're on, I mean, well, actually, the Democrats are feeling this right now, but how would Republicans feel if Donald Trump won? And then they came out and audited all of the elections. You'd be like, oh, come on, you lost fair and square. You wouldn't want them to do it either. And you'd be worried they would do something nefarious. The bigger issue, in my opinion, is that neither side trusts each other at all. Well, I don't care about who you trust. If you've got an issue with the audit system, then you compromise your oversight people into the process. And they did not do that. Well, to a certain extent, I suppose. They should say, okay, we'll do the audit. We want cameras on everything. We want to be able to see. Oh, wait, there are cameras on everything. There are security guards. Well, I honestly don't understand what the complaint is from the left then other than to just jam up the audit process. And they keep saying things like there is no process by which Donald Trump could be reinstated as president. And I think that's really dumb to assume that the country is founded upon process. Any functioning adult knows that process goes out the window when people have no idea what's happening. And there was that election back in, I can't remember what year, it was like 1879 or whatever, where they had like a committee come together and they were like, okay, I guess we'll just do a president like this. Now, I, I really don't think there's any circumstance in which Donald Trump is president. I, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. But the, the idea that the, the, the laws are not made up by people is insane to me. But regardless, we have the audit. We, we say, sure, here's what happened. And then what's likely going to happen? Maybe it might, it might help Republicans in the midterms. So maybe that's it. Maybe this is uh, uh, the battle that's happening. But I got to tell you, I think it's really bad for Democrats it's really bad for Dominion Voting as a company that they're doing this. Dominion is a private company. They handle voting machines. The code on those machines is proprietary. I disagree with that. At the very least, Arizona Senate, I hope they do this, vote for open source voting software. We want to be able to see the code. There's a story someone told me once that they got pulled over, uh, uh, pulled over for a speeding ticket. It was a, a hacker friends of mine. And then in court, they demanded uh, the release of the source code for the radar gun. And they told the judge, how does the judge know the radar gun is actually showing a real number? And for all we know, it could be a random number generator. And the judge was like, it's actually a really good point. I don't know how that thing works. I don't know if the radar gun's actually giving us a sound reading. 
Yeah, get the source code. Get the source code. Anything, in my opinion, used by the public should be available to the public. If the police are going to use a computer code system, the source code should be public. If the NSA, the CIA, whatever. If they want to spy on us, okay, okay, okay. So I'll slow down. I understand there's cyber weapons and there's top secret stuff. So, okay. We're not going to release the source code on nuclear weapons or anything like that. Although I think actually there might be uh, plans for something online, or at least that's, that's what the urban legend says. Anyway, I digress. If there is going to be a voting machine that we are going to use, we should be able to see the code and, and look through it and, and know exactly what's happening. No question. I hope that's where ultimately this leads to, because that has nothing to do with integrity issues or fraud issues or anything like that. Now, I got to say, my view on this is that, as I've often said, Trump got Oceans 11. And what I mean by that is throughout the previous year, we saw this in the Time magazine article, the shadow campaign to protect the election, they called it. Yes, the Democrats enacted and Republicans too this long and circuitous process by which they changed rules and laws and made it easier for their side to vote. And it negatively impacted uh, Trump's voter base. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say it like that. I should say that it ultimately resulted in more people voting and voting for Democrats. That's how they, that, that's how they do it, like universal mail-in, mail-in voting. Now, I'm not going to pretend to have any evidence otherwise, so I'm totally open to audits. But here's what's happening. AZ Central reports Maricopa County supervisors and Dominion voting systems refused to produce additional election material on Monday in response to new subpoenas filed by the Arizona Senate. The subpoenas issued July 26 by Republican Senate leaders demanded the representatives for the County Board of Supervisors and Dominion appear and produce the materials by 1 p.m. Monday at the state capitol. Instead, county officials and a Dominion attorney sent Senate President Karen Fan a letter outlining why they will not comply. However, county officials said they will work with the Senate to provide some documents sought via a public records request. Fawn, in a released statement, said she saw some progress in the Senate's efforts, Senate's efforts to get county cooperation, but took a wait and see stance on the refusal to produce subpoenaed materials. It is unfortunate the non-compliance by the county and Dominion continues to delay the results and breeds distrust. Personally, I agree with uh, with with uh, was his rent Wendy Rogers on this one. I think they should be arrested. It, it, you, if you are issued a subpoena, we have to have that legal process. Now, issue the subpoena file a legal challenge to it. We'll see how the process plays out. But I don't I think they should be forced to turn over what they were requested to by the people who are duly elected in the state of Arizona. They're going to say the subpoenas demanded routers, machine passwords and voter registration records from the county and the same machine passwords from Dominion. Instead of complying, attorneys for Dominion and the supervisor sent letters to the Senate. The supervisor said that they had given what they are legally and responsibly able to provide. And Dominion said, They don't legally have to provide anything given they are a public company. Much of what the Senate demanded uh, demanded, uh, uh, it had already asked for in the initial subpoenas that made the audit possible. The county provided everything but the routers in response to those subpoenas and stated again Monday it won't provide the routers for security concerns. Additionally, the county said it doesn't have any additional passwords to the machines. Full stop. The router should be turned over. Sorry, my friends. There's no argument here. If you've got an issue about the potential hackability of these routers, you just get new routers and update your security systems. If we are auditing the system and the duly elected representatives of the state are saying, we're going to look at these machines, you must turn them over, period. If, if, if I had to give up a, a machine or a computer, I'd have to get a new one. It's unfortunate, but we have a legal process for these things. Board Chairman Jack Sellers lambasted the Senate's ongoing audit of the county's November 2020 election and the inexperienced contractors they had to do the work, saying that if they haven't figured out uh, that the election in Maricopa County was free, fair and accurate, yet I'm not sure you ever will. 
The board has real work to do and little time to entertain this adventure in Never Never Land, Seller said in a prepared statement. That's so weird. Let baby have his bottle. What are you? What are you? What are you talking? If if if, if they never never will, then then why are you wasting your time? Say here you go, have a nice day. I don't care. And then if, if the taxpayers have foot the bill, you point the finger at them and say we just had to change out the routers because these people are crackpots. But they're not doing that. They're obstructing. Weird. Now when I look at what's going out this audit, <clears throat> which you need to understand, the reason they may audit information again is that perhaps they've discovered something that is not evidence of anything, but maybe they're like, oh, we need to verify this information. Like, what is this? Hey, I, I noticed something when we did the audit. I don't know what it is, but there's something that doesn't seem to make sense. Can we audit that and see what's going on? Or I'm sorry, can we subpoena that? So you, so let's say you're, uh, you know, it's like in the movies, right? You got an accountant. Actually, you did. We'll, we'll, we'll cite uh, Batman. When the guy is like doing a, uh, an audit on the financials for, um, <clears throat> for Wayne, you know, Enterprises or whatever. And then he comes back and discovers that a whole bunch of money is going to R&D for cell phones or whatever. He didn't know what was being done with it, but he noticed something weird. Okay, so in the movie, he tries blackmailing, you know, what's the guy's name? Uh, Lucian Fox, I think the character's name was, and, and Batman himself. Anyway, I digress. We don't need to talk about Batman. The point is, for all we know, they went through this and they saw something, maybe it's a typo. Maybe, maybe it's a typo. And they're like, hey, that's a typo. Can we get the correct records on this one? And we can maybe wrap this up. And then maybe they find nothing. You know, I will tell you this. I am really sick of all of this stuff because you know what I keep hearing from people? Oh, it's going to be, you're going to see what happens in August. Oh, there's going to be something big. And I'm like, dude, talk big, say whatever you want. That's fine. I will see it when I believe it. I'm sorry. I will believe it when I see it. Now, belief doesn't just make it, it, it manifest in front of me. But if there is something to be found and they are claiming they have something, I'd like to know about it. Now, I understand they haven't completed the, the audit. So, all right, release it when you release it, I guess. And I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm chilling. You got the evidence and I'll take a look at it. We'll see how things play out. They say new contempt vote is highly unlikely. Several Republican senators offered their own paths forward. Senator uh, Michelle Ugenti Rita, chairwoman of the Senate Elections Committee, said in a statement that she would vote to hold the supervisors in contempt for noncompliance, as she did earlier this year when the county refused to cooperate. However, she acknowledged a contempt finding is not an option as the Senate must be in session to do so. And there is scant possibility of that happening before January 2022. Okay, you know what? I just, I got to be honest. I don't think anything's going to happen. I really don't see anything with these audits happening. I I really don't. I've heard it from too many people. Oh, you're going to see. And I'm like, okay, okay. And here we go. They can't even come into session until January. They're not even likely to come into session until January. So what what are we going to sit here and wait for another, what, what, four months, five months? Sure. And then when they finally do get the contempt thing, we'll go back and forth and then it'll fizzle out. Maybe they'll produce something that questions the system or casts doubt. Maybe the whole point of this is just to sow doubt on Democrats in general, because now the Democrats and Dominion are saying, oh, geez, you know, we're not going to respond to this. Well, then we need different voting companies. We need open source software. They say Ugenti Rita uh, and a can- uh, uh, from Scottsdale and, Scottsdale and a candidate for the GOP nomination for secretary of state did not respond to a question about why she would back a contempt vote now, given she no longer supports the audit, which she says has been botched. Senator Paul Boyer of Glendale applauded the supervisor's reply, adding, I couldn't agree more with Jack Sellers. Elected officials do have a responsibility to tell the truth to their constituents, even if some of them will never believe it. On the other side of the spectrum, Wendy Rogers said the five supervisors should be arrested and locked up in solitary confinement. 
Now, I don't agree with that part of what she said. She made several Twitter posts denouncing the county's response. The, you, know, you notice they, they mentioned the inexperience of cyber ninjas over and over and over again. How many companies do have experience auditing elections? Now, honest question. I don't know. Are there companies that specifically audit elections? If so, why haven't we audited elections like this before? And why are they so upset about us doing it now? Or I, I, I wanna, by us, I mean like the American people. Who would you hire to do something like that? And why is inexperience being just like layered everywhere in every story? It's not relevant to the story, in my opinion. Inexperience, like, well, who has experience? And even if they did have experience in some elections, wouldn't they not have experience in a federal election? And then they would just say, with no experience in a federal election. Yeah, because who does? I just think the whole thing is just, this whole thing is just like a stupid waste of time, to be completely honest. They say, when the supervisors initially refused last winter to respond to subpoenas for the county's ballots, voting machines, and other election information, the Senate called a vote to try and hold them in contempt, the punishment for which is jail. That vote failed. I just, I just, I'm sick and tired of this. Now, I'm not saying they should stop or just give up, but it really just feels like nothing's going to happen. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you, man, but let's read. They say it's unlikely a judge would force the supervisors in the company to comply. While Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Timothy Thomason ruled in February that the initial subpoenas to the county were valid, he did not order the county to produce the materials. <laughs> what? That is a, that, that subpoena is valid and uh, don't, uh, don't listen to it, which wasn't required because the county complied with the subpoenas shortly after the court filing. Oh, okay. All right. I, I should slow my own roll because they answered it. They gave the, uh, the subpoenaed materials. Supervisor Bill Gates. Oh, great name. Huh? How about that? What a coincidence. Noted that the Senate doesn't have the votes to hold them in contempt and the judge didn't order them to comply. He said the subpoenas are not a serious request and called it political theater. They say what the last subpoenas demanded. Fan and the Senate Judiciary Chairman Warren Peterson issued the latest subpoenas after the initial portion of the audit, which began in April, wrapped up at the state fairgrounds last week. While the ballot review is now complete, the Senate's contractors planned to also inspect the county's ballot tabulators and voter registration database. The contractors told Fan and Peterson at a hearing in July that they need more information from the county to complete the election review. The latest subpoena demanded information about data breaches to the county's election systems. Oh, definitely. That's got to be public. Ballot envelopes with voter signatures or images of the envelopes. Information about changes to the county's voter records, routers and network data, some of which the senators had requested in original subpoenas to the county this past winter, usernames, passwords, tokens, and pins to the ballot tabulation machines the county rents from Dominion, including all that would provide administration access, administrative access. This was also a repeat from the original subpoenas. The subpoena to Dominion made the same request for username, passwords, tokens, pins, and their machines. What, what the county and Dominion say they will not provide. The supervisor sent the letter after meeting Monday morning in a closed door session to discuss how to respond to the subpoena, among other topics. County leaders flatly refused to provide routers that were requested, which they had done since they were first requested as part of earlier subpoenas. Specifically, providing these routers puts sensitive confidential data belonging to Maricopa County citizens, including social security numbers and protected health information at risk. Further, the Mar Maricopa County Sheriff has explained the production of the routers would render MCSO internal law enforcement communication infrastructure extremely vulnerable to hackers, wrote Thomas Liddy, a civil division chief for the county attorney's office. The Senate contractors say the routers are needed to check whether the county's voting machines were connected to the internet during the election. The county officials say the auditors have already received the information and machines needed to perform that check. The county. So what's the point? 
So if, if, if well, you, we are, you already gave it stuff to you. Okay, so then turn this over. What, what is on this? So, so basically, I, I just think we're getting a BS answer. They're saying, we want to check these machines for X. Well, we already gave you access to X. No, you didn't give us these things we're asking for now. Well, too bad because you don't need them. Um, what? They subpoenaed them. That's it. The will of the people. It is here. They have elected these representatives who are now making these demands. And who are these bureaucrats and private companies to just outright saying no? Now, as for Dominion, they're a private company. So I think they should defend their constitutional rights and say if something is overreaching or could affect their business, then they have a right to defend themselves. I also think it should be incumbent upon all of us right now at like call your congressmen, call your senators and demand we implement open source voting software in our voting machines, period. I don't care what company does it. I'm not saying anything to disparage any of the existing companies. I'm saying it is my belief that we should be able to see the code of the voting machines period. We should be able to look at the code and see no networking. There you go. None of this would be happening if we used open source voting machine software. And yes, you would see any potential exploits. This is the best part. White hat hackers. These are the good guys. They will not always, but you know, typically it refers to the good guys. They'll see it and say, hey, there's a potential exploit. And then they can submit. We'd like to improve this code. And then you'd have 10,000 other people, Republican and Democrat, all arguing over the code. And then finally, they'd agree like, OK, we'll put the code in place. Imagine that Democrat and Republican accusing each other and then being like some random guy named Ned walks in and goes, uh, excuse me, gentlemen, the code is open source. Your arguments are invalid. I can see right here that everything's fine. Oh, or I, I can see right here. There's an exploit right there. And we got to deal with that. Anyone would be able to see it. Instead, proprietary company. Nah, man. Nah, I'm not okay with that. Gates said he thought it was telling that the renewed demand for the routers came shortly after former President Trump mentioned at a rally the supervisors had not provided them. It's unclear why Senate leaders still are demanding the passwords and tokens to the county's ballot tabulating machines, even though they gave back the machines on July 29th after getting them under the initial subpoenas. Yeah, I will say, you know, if that is true and they already received stuff and they gave it the machines and gave them back and now they're asking for information, it is strange. But if that's the case, why are you resisting it? Why don't you say, okay, sure, whatever, you know, who cares? They already had the machines that gave them back. You want the information here? Fine, whatever. You gave the machines back. Who cares? I've, I'm wondering if they're looking for changes now that may have occurred during the audit process, like nothing to do with the, with the election. They check the machines, they check all this stuff, and then give the machines back and then say, I couldn't, now give it back to see what changes may have occurred or something like that. I don't see why they just don't turn it over. It's unclear why Senate leaders are still demanding the passwords and tokens considering they gave back the machines. And I will say, considering they already gave back the machines, it's unclear why anyone would, would say no to something that the people already had. County leaders said Monday they believe this renders this part of the subpoena's moot. And Dominion said it shows the Senate's demands are unreasonable. Dominion said the subpoena violates the company's constitutional rights and exceeds the legislature's constitutional and statutory authority. That may be the case. Government can't just come in and demand proprietary, uh, proprietary information that could negatively impact your business. That being said, it's time to get open source voting machines, period. Everyone will be able to see how the code is operating. And I, yeah, I think there we go. And in fact, smarter people than me could probably, you know, figure it out. They want to say the records request may give Senate additional information. Along with the subpoena, Senate leaders had sent records requests for what was listed in the subpoenas, along with communications from their quarters office and elections department. The county said it intends to respond to these requests as required by law. 
The request for information about data breaches may relate to an incident in November in which someone stole public voter data by breaching the county's website. Wow. However, the hacker didn't get into any of the county's election management system where the county stores its election results. The supervisors said in their letter that the county will provide information about any breaches under the Senate's public records request, but not on Monday. County officials have said repeatedly that they have already provided images of the ballot envelopes requested. The supervisors said they will do so again if the Senate can't find them. You see, I don't see the problem with that. Alternatively, the supervisors wrote the county recorder's office will deliver the nearly two million ballot envelopes from the November election if the Senate has a place to safely store them. The recorder's office also has legal authority over the voter registration database. The supervisors wrote, Recorder Stephen Rich, uh, Richer said he will work with senators to provide what they want from the from the database. OK, I can't I can't make this one too long. I think you ultimately get the point. They say GOP lenders ag- agreed to pay Cyber Ninjas one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the audit, which experts said was far less than such an undertaking would typically cost. A list of donors contributing from more than five point six million for the work was released July 29th. Now, see, here's the thing. If they came out and said we're going to use taxpayer dollars on this one, I'd understand why people would be mad saying don't take our money for this. But they're mostly operating off donation. There's still a conflict of interest there because it's like, who are the wealthy donors funding this? There's no right. There's no way you're going to get through the muck and the mire of the political conflict. So I don't know uh, what what this ultimately turns into, but I can show you a few things before we sign off on this. First, we have this story botched. Arizona, uh, Arizona GOP's ballot count ends. Troubles persist. Apparently, uh, one of the uh, Republicans said it was botched, as we quoted in the previous article. We have this story from CNN. Fact check. Arizona audit chief baselessly raises suspicion about 74,000 ballots. And this is an interesting point. Quote, here's a quote. For example, we have 74,243 mail-in ballots where there is no clear record of them being sent. Facts first. CNN says. CNN says. There is no evidence of either fraud or any significant error with these ballots, and certainly not magically appearing ballots. Both Maricopa County and outside experts say there is a simple explanation for the gap, Logan claimed, for the gap Logan claimed had not been explained. The existence of in-person early voting. Contrary to Logan's claims, the ballot lists he was talking about include not only mail-in ballots, but also ballots cast early in person. Okay, CNN, I, I got no argument. No, I'm sorry. Um, I do have an argument. Audit the election. Let's take a look at these ballots. Make sure you say that that's true. I, I don't see what the problem is. I guess the problem is politics. That's it. I want to see an audit because I just want people to trust the system. I want them to know that their elections are free, fair, and accurate. You can't just come out and say it. You got to show it to people. Why should we blindly just trust? We should be switching to open source software code for our voting machine so everyone can see it period. We'll know exactly how the data card card works. We'll know uh, cards work. We'll, we'll know exactly how the voting machine tabulates the, the uh, or adjudicates. And I think personally, we should probably not have the adjudication process at all. What, what, what basically happens, I guess, is that a vote will go in or no. I, I'm sorry. I take that back. We, we have to have that. I don't like I think we should maybe just have paper ballots or something. I don't know. It's not easy. The adjudication is basically that if someone fills out their ballot and they, you know, put an X for Donald Trump or whatever, and the machine can't read it, the person looks at it and then presses Donald Trump. There's fear that someone could press the wrong button or intentionally press the wrong button. Now, I don't know how you get past that, because if people are counting paper ballots, they can just count wrong. (laughs) What do you do? In fact, the open source digital might be the best. 
And you know what? There's some benefits to blockchain voting. I'm not a, I'm not a staunch proponent necessarily, but there could be some benefits, not in tracking uh, uh, the votes, but in tracking uh, 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 ballots that are sent. How many ballots were produced? How many exist? They all have a unique code. And then we just see the ballots are, you know, then, then there would be, it would be an impossible question. If someone said, well, what if they made fake votes? You can't. It's all, they're all, they're all produced with a blockchain hash. They all have a unique code. They have to be legitimate through the system. Crypto, man, it's, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? That's something we can do. We wouldn't track the information on the ballots. We wouldn't know who cast what. We would just know, hey, there was 5 million ballots um, made. And, you know, or how many people are on the voter rolls? There shouldn't be more ballots printed than there are people on the voter rolls, period. And so you'd end up with an excess. And there you go. That's, that's, these, are, these are things we can do. Ultimately, people don't trust the system. They're upset about what happened. And I think we need to have some confidence back in the system. And so that's done by just saying, do the audit, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. A report from the attorney general in New York confirms Governor Andrew Cuomo did sexually harass at least 11 women. Some of these women claim that not only was he saying inappropriate things or making inappropriate advancements, but some women say that he actually touched them inappropriately. In one instance, a woman who made that accusation had her claim rebutted by Cuomo saying it wasn't true. And then a photo emerged in which he is literally grabbing her whole head, which seems to be rather inappropriate. Now, following this, there have been calls for the resignation of Andrew Cuomo and his impeachment. But Cuomo has issued a very strange response saying it's not true, going on to say that he will not be resigning. He refuses to leave office and then claims that he actually does this to everyone, regardless of whether or not they're a man, woman, gay or straight, old or young. He says he's just grabbing their faces and kissing them because that's what you do, I guess. Now, here's the thing. He's not entirely wrong. Could it be that women interpreted his Italian family style contact with sexually inappropriate behavior? Yeah, maybe. But come on, he was told to stop. Other women have claimed that he actually touched them in seriously inappropriate ways, like touching their bodies. So I'm not going to give Cuomo a pass on this one. He's been accused by a lot of women. There are photos of him grabbing people. I don't care if he grabs everybody. It seems like he really did cross the line. But I'll tell you what does. Well, I was going to say shock me, but it doesn't really shock me, but disappoints me. This is why they're demanding his resignation. This is why they're demanding his impeachment. And I can look at this and say, all right, the man should probably resign or be impeached. But my question is, what about the 15,000 or so people the dude literally murdered? Yeah, about that. Yeah, Cuomo gets away with that. At the very least, they're going to get rid of him. So it's a very challenging question of whether or not the ends justify the means. Well, in this instance, I think the dude should resign or be impeached over these, these, these harassment allegations. And with the, end, the, the New York attorney general basically saying we confirm this happened. OK, then the dude should resign. Get out, bro. Nobody wants you. The Republicans don't like you. The Democrats don't like you. You got no allies. You're done. Go bye bye. And if he won't impeach the guy. But can we seriously get some some more uh, inquiry, investigation and outrage over the fact that Cuomo put sick people into a nursing home, killing like 15,000 people? Janice Dean of Fox News has been pushing that for some time. We interviewed her on the Timcast IRL podcast, and it seems like Cuomo is going to walk on that one. So if, if it was any other issue, 
Or if they didn't confirm the harassment, I'd say, nah, I don't, I don't care about this. This is petty allegations. Investigate them fine. But he should have been impeached a long time ago. The Democrats didn't do it. And New York doesn't have a strong enough Republican apparatus to actually get this man out of office. Well, I'll tell you this. If he had impeached the guy over the fact that he put sick people in nursing homes, maybe this wouldn't even be an issue right now. But at this point, I'll accept the removal of a depraved lunatic. Now, on top of this story is the media malfeasance story, because it turns out his brother Chris Cuomo of CNN actually helped craft a message to deny the allegations that are now asserted by the AG as true. Amazing. Well, let's talk about this. I'm actually going to do something interesting. I'm going to provide a potential defense for Cuomo. Now, let me clarify. I don't think the man is right. I think he did uh, assault these women, or I'm sorry, harass them. Some women claim to have been assaulted. And I err on the side of not believing him. There's a probe. He got his due process in his own state. He will reap what he has sown. But there is something to be said about what's happening in the workplace based on certain behaviors that could be interpreted incorrectly. And we'll get into that. But let's get started with this first story from ABC News. However, before we do get started, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and get access to exclusive members-only content, as well as an advertisement-free experience. When you become a member at TimCast, you help support our fierce and independent journalism. And, and you may have seen the media is terrified of our explosive and rampant growth. It's kind of funny to see all the articles that came up recently talking about me with all these accusations and allegations. Here we go, baby. We have launched a website. It, has, it, is, it is a beautiful website. It's well-designed, and we've got a bunch of great people coming on writing stories. So I'll tell you this. Certainly, they are unhappy, the establishment. They don't like the competition, and that's all thanks to you. So become a member, but don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, and share the show with your friends if you really do think this stuff is important. Let's talk about the big political scandal wreaking havoc on the Democratic Party. From ABC News, Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women. New York Attorney General probe finds. ABC News reports. New York State Attorney General Letitia James announced Tuesday morning after a four-month probe into the allegations. In at least one instance, the investigation determined that the governor sought to retaliate against a woman who leveled accusations against him. Identified in a report released by the AG's office as Lindsay Boylan. According to James, the probe found that Cuomo and his staff fostered a toxic work environment. Cuomo, in a statement released after James' announcement, denied any wrongdoing. The attorney general's 168-page report released during her press conference determined that, quote, the governor engaged in conduct constituting sexual harassment under federal and New York state law. Quote, specifically, we find the governor sexually harassed a number of current and former New York state employees by among other things, engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching, as well as making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. At Tuesday's press conference, employment discrimination attorney Ann Clark, one of the investigators assigned to lead the probe, presented a litany of findings from the report, including specific examples of the governor making suggestive comments and engaging in unwanted touching that 11 women, some named others anonymous, found deeply humiliating and offensive. In an instance involving one of Cuomo's unnamed executive assistants, the governor was found to have reached under her blouse and grabbed her breast, according to a report. The same woman also recounted a circumstance in which the governor moved his hand to grab her butt cheek and began to rub it. The rubbing lasted at least five seconds, the report said. In another instance, the report describes how Cuomo harassed a state trooper 
assigned to his protective detail, including by running his hand across her stomach from her belly button to her to her right hip while she held a door open for him at an event and running his finger down her back from the top of her neck uh, from the top from her neck down her spine to the middle of her back saying, hey, you while she was standing in front of him at an elevator. In his televised statement issued Tuesday afternoon in response to the report, Cuomo said that the facts are much different than what has been portrayed and gave no indication that he would heed calls for his resignation. It has also been reported by other outlets. He's refusing. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate advances. He said that's not who I am. Cuomo addressed two of his accusers, including Charlotte Bennett who Cuomo insisted he was trying to help through a prior incident of harassment. Cuomo said Bennett drew inferences I never meant and ascribed motives I never had. Now, that's interesting. And I do think we should actually discuss that and explore that. However, I'm not a fan of Cuomo. I don't trust him. I think he's lying in this regard. But there is something interesting about the moral conundrum of behaviors that differ between men and women and what is and isn't acceptable. First, however, I'd like to point something out. From Politico, on July 24th, Politico reported, Cuomo said Attorney General Probe would clear him. Now his aides say it's political. Interesting. Perhaps they saw this one coming. Perhaps some questions arose in, as, in the summary of this investigation. And the Cuomo administration knew that he was going to be implicated beyond just the accusations that the probe was going to find. He did this. That's right. That's how the media goes, right? This guy was given advanced warning by the, by the news outlets or someone leaked to him and he got advanced word. OK, what do you think Governor Cuomo's response to this was? How could he possibly defend engaging in this behavior, reaching into a woman's shirt, putting his hand down her back? Come on, man. There are lines, right? Well, interestingly, Cuomo said that. Uh, oh, OK, maybe this isn't the right one. I think it's uh, right here, actually. Here we go. He said, quote, I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. He said, I do kiss people on the forehead. I do embrace people. I do hug people, men and women. I do on occasion say ciao, Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say, sweetheart, I am the same person in public as I am in private. I do not completely believe that. The excuse is, but I touch everyone that way, only confirms that he was touching people without their consent. Welcome to the world you helped create, Cuomo. Your policies, your lines, the Democratic Party crafted this world where there is no such thing as friendly touching. Everybody is so on edge. Everything is turned up to 11. And this is what you have helped create. And now it's come back to haunt you, I suppose. So let me just stress, Cuomo confesses to inappropriately touching people. And let me just say this. If Cuomo came up to me and he put his hands on me and said, hey, nice to meet you, I'd be like, dude, not okay. Don't touch me. I don't like you. So how many people was he like? It's being friendly, just touching people. And I tell you this, man, if I go to an event and say there's a woman and she walks up and she puts her hands on my hand on my shoulder and says, it's nice to meet you. I'm a, bi- I'm a big fan of your work. And that's it. I'm not going to freak out about it. If I go to an event and a woman puts her hands on my on my elbow and then she says, nice to meet you. And then she goes in and does the kiss kiss on the cheek. I'm not going to complain about it. 
I'm not going to freak out about it. Furthermore, if it was a dude who did it, I still wouldn't complain about it. I'm like, I don't, I don't even, I don't, whatever. These customs exist. Have you ever been to Europe? Well, Cuomo needs to understand the world we live in. Would I in the workplace ever do that? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain about it if someone did it to me, but I'm certainly not going to be grabbing women's faces or anything like that. That's insane. So here we have Cuomo effectively admitting to this. He does touch people. Now, the weirdest thing is that in this TV presentation, he's actually like showing photos of him grabbing and kissing people. And it's like, did you did you think that confessing to the allegations was going to clear you of wrongdoing? Am I supposed to be like, oh, I get what he was doing? Nah, sorry. So let's let's address this idea. Now, now I do want to talk about the, the more important issue, which is Cuomo murdering all of these people. And I want to talk about the calls for his impeachment, which is now bubbling up from Democrats. They want his resignation. They want his impeachment. And it's going to get, well, I think it may get a bit spicy. We also got to talk about his brother and the conflict of interest and call out CNN. But there is something that needs to be said here. And I would certainly preface it by saying, as I already did, I'm not going to touch anybody in the workplace ever for any reason. I mean, I got to be honest, if someone's like choking, okay, I'll perform the Heimlich maneuver. But short of that, a handshake is what you get. Some people, if they're friends of me and they, they want a hug, okay, you'll get a hug. But I'll tell you, I've mentioned this before. If a man walks into the workplace run-of-the-mill dude, frat bro guy, gets a job at Wall Street. And his boss sees his new well-tailored suit and he goes, "Woo! look at that suit. Looking sharp, man. That's, a, that's, that's an amazing suit. You're killing it. Wow. Also, geez, have you been working out? You're looking, you're looking cut. Lost some weight, huh? Pats him on the shoulder, walks away. Nothing. That's, that's like normal dude behavior. Guy walks up and he's like, man, you get a haircut? That's excellent. You're looking great, man. You, lo- you lost a little weight. I'm impressed. You've been doing really great here, and we appreciate it. you. Pat him on the shoulder. You walk away. Now, imagine that same scenario with a woman. The woman walks in wearing a dress, and the guy goes, whoa, looking good. Is that a new dress? Wow, you're killing it. You must be working out, too, losing a little bit of weight. Yeah, we already know where that's going. Now, of course, a dude can complain and say that's harassment as well. That I understand. But for the most part, dudes, it's not an issue. Today it is. I would say today, based on this standard, yeah, you can't say those things to guys anymore either. You can't be like, looking good, man, you're losing weight, you get a haircut, you get new suits. You can't say any of it. Cuomo, see, went the other direction. Cuomo could have said, I'm going to stop kissing people. Instead, he was like, I'm going to keep kissing people, including women. He should not have done that. There's one photo that you, uh, well, there's no point pulling it up for the most part, I guess. You, You understand. It's the one where he's grabbing that woman's head. And yeah, so let me just stress that this is Cuomo saying, I do kiss people on the forehead, embrace people. I hug people. There's a photo. I'm pretty sure he's kissing people on the cheek. You call someone sweetheart, grab them by the face and kiss them on the cheek. And don't be surprised when they accuse you. And then you know what? Why bother denying it when you'd come out and admit it? And there's photos of it, dude. Well, this is where we're at so far. We now have this. Pat Ward reports. Bill de Blasio says, quote, it is clear. It, I'm sorry. It is beyond clear that Andrew Cuomo is not fit to hold office and can no longer serve as governor. He must resign. And if he continues to resist and attack the investigators who did their jobs, he should be impeached immediately. Wow. I guess I'm going to have to go ahead and say I agree with uh, Bill de Blasio. I agree, Bill de Blasio. And then we have this, Jack Posobiec pulling up the breaking release of an email. Here is the email from Chris Cuomo 
on February 28th, 2021, to the Andrew Cuomo inner circle, where he appears to have personally drafted a statement for his brother to respond to the allegations. In this email, we can see to Chris Cuomo uh, on Sunday, February 28th, Chris Cuomo wrote, quote, questions have been raised about some of my past interactions with people in the office. I spend most of my life at work and colleagues are often also personal friends. I never intended to offend anyone or cause any harm. Sometimes I am playful and make jokes. You have seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. My only desire is to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal, and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I am sorry, and I feel deeply embarrassed about that. Separately, my office has heard anecdotally that some people have reached out to Miss Bennett to express displeasure about her coming forward. My message to anyone doing that is that you have misjudged what matters to me and my administration, and you should stop now, period. To which Josh Viasto said, I can't seems to dial back in. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's a reference to. Probably they were in a conference call and responded to this email saying, I can't seems to dial back in. And that's just, I got to say, like the seams that with the S on it, that is just awfully stereotypical. Like, you know, what, what is this? Goodfellas. It, it is it is Cuomo brothers. It is conflict of interest. And CNN did nothing about it because this is the name of the game. Haves and haves nots, the rules for thee, but not for me. From LA Times, CNN won't discipline Chris Cuomo for advising his brother to fight harassment allegations. Why not? Now, look, I understand family. I understand you want to be there for family. But my question is, you, you, you have to set barriers, draw the line. They can say, listen, you're either going to be family on this one or you're not going anywhere near this story. Now, Chris Cuomo apologized, but I'm sick of it. Chris Cuomo faked being in quarantine. Let me stress that again as a statement of fact. Chris Cuomo of CNN and CNN as a company, they staged his quarantine in his basement. We know from a report and by his own admission, he was out far away when someone saw him and said, aren't you supposed to be quarantined? And he got in his face, went on his radio show and admitted to the whole thing. CNN produced overt fake news and was caught. And where was any kind of penalty, punishment, call out, accountability? Nothing. And here we go again. Chris Cuomo goes on TV during the panic with his pandemic with these stupid, ridiculous oh, pop up, the stupid, ridiculous Q-tip cotton swab. For those that are listening on the podcast, there was a pop up on the screen and nothing happens. No penalty, no punishment, no accountability. The dude is still getting his cushy job. In May 20th, it was reported CNN primetime star Chris Cuomo won't face any discipline for having participated in strategy sessions on how his brother should deal with the harassment allegations, a decision that's causing some blowback against the news channel. You know, it's not just CNN. There's, there's, there's a bunch of other uh, things of this nature. We have, you know, Glenn Greenwald tweeted, said the Cuomo brothers aren't the only people ever to face the conflict of being a journalist with a family member in politics. He says, my husband is a member of Congress. The difference is I would never purport to interview him or pretend I was anything but loyal and su- loyal and supportive spouse. Chris Hayes' wife worked in the Obama White House. David Stroda's wife is an elected official in the Colorado State Legislature. Lots of other examples. It's not easy, but you just have to be honest and not fraudulently pretend you're reporting on them. 
CNN did it the worst way possible. And also, I'm not sure that Glenn Greenwald's husband was in office when they got married. He's a journalist, and I think he got elected after the fact, but I could be wrong. Either way, I have no problem with people having family members in Congress and working in media so long as they aren't engaging in a conflict of interest like Cuomo does and gets away with it. And Andrew Cuomo kills people and gets away with it. Which brings us to Glenn Greenwald's next tweet. The relevant question for Democratic politicians is not whether they think Cuomo should resign. That's irrelevant and easy. The only question that matters if, as appears likely, he refuses to resign. Should the Democratic controlled New York state legislature impeach him? That was at 1.49 p.m. Well, at 1.31 p.m., we heard from Pat Ward. Bill de Blasio said he must resign or be impeached immediately. Okay. Bill de Blasio, not a big fan, actually just criticized him over his, uh, his mandates. Um, I agree. 100% agree. And I'll accept this. And here we go. From the Hill, Democrats renew calls for Cuomo to resign over harassment findings. Multiple Democrats in New York state legislature are renewing their calls for his resignation or for him to be impeached after the investigation. New York Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart, in a statement following the release of the investigation's findings, called Cuomo's behavior unacceptable and said he can no longer serve as governor. She said he should resign for the good of the state. This report highlights unacceptable behavior by Governor Cuomo and his administration. As I said, when these disturbing allegations first came to light, the governor must resign for the good of the state. Now that the investigation is complete and the allegations have been sustained, it should be clear to everyone that he can no longer serve as governor, she wrote. State Senator Kevin Thomas sounded a similar note, calling on Cuomo to step down immediately. Independent investigators under the direction of New York State Attorney General Letitia James have concluded that Governor Cuomo harassed multiple women, violating federal and state law. I call on the governor to step down immediately, violating federal and state law. Well, bring the weight of federal and state law upon him. Fine him, sue him, do what you have to do. Why are we tolerating this from Cuomo? The independent inquiry launched by New York Attorney General Letitia James released its finding on Tuesday and concluded what we know. They go on to say that there are more renewed calls. New York State Assembly members Emily Gallagher and Zorin Mamdani Both called for Cuomo to be impeached following the release of the investigation's findings. Now I want to slow down here a little bit and bring you over to a good old May 20th, 2020 article from PolitiFact. May 20th, 2020. Quote from Andrew Cuomo. Why did the state do that with COVID patients in nursing homes? It's because the state followed President Trump's CDC guidance. Mostly false. Wow. PolitiFact said it was mostly false. PolitiFact is not known for being in opposition to Democrats. So when they come out and they say a Democrat is lying, wow, it must be very obvious this guy is lying. And they say, if your time is short, New York's nursing home policy was not fully in line with the CDC. The Cuomo administration issued an advisory March 25th that stated that during nurse stated that nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents coming from hospitals, regardless of whether they are infected with the new coronavirus. The CDC warned nursing homes to keep COVID-19 out of their facilities and said nursing homes can admit coronavirus patients, but only if they are able to properly care for them. The Cuomo administration says that regulations that predate the pandemic require nursing homes to admit only those patients for which they can care. However, 
In the month following the March 25th advisory, nursing home operators felt they had no choice but to accept these patients. So there, there, there we are. Cuomo, according to some reports, was trying to obfuscate what he had done. Data was being hidden, and we learned that not only was he warned, if you put these people, sick patients, into nursing homes, you will kill people. And he said, do it. I don't care. Why? As I have to mention, probably because with the Mercy vessel available, the medical ship, and the Javits Center, Trump would be given all the credit. Oh, you can't have that. Cuomo said, send them to the nursing homes. We saw what happened in some circumstances where an old man was brutally beaten. And I think it was in Michigan. These 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 politicians, these Democratic governors should have been forcibly removed and placed in handcuffs. Cuomo instructed this. And people, people warned him. And he didn't care. And this is what really I find to be the most disturbing and disgusting of this whole fiasco is that Cuomo should have been resigned for this a long time ago. But he's not been. Instead, it's the Me Too allegations that generate more rage from the press. This should, should, should say everything to you, my friends. The Democratic Party has long been the party of wealthy elites. And I say long been because it's been a long time. I'm not going to pretend like it's been generations you know, I can't. Well, actually, no, I, I guess the Democratic Party has been the party of the wealthy elites. Certainly there are uh, wealthy industrialists on the Republican side as well. I'm not going to pretend like Republicans haven't been corporatist in the past. Republicans deserve no, uh, um, no uh, defense here either. It's not like they do anything. But the Democratic Party here, what happens when it was Cuomo killing the elderly and the poor? What do they care? It's not affecting them doesn't affect their country clubs or their Long Island properties. No, they care when it offends offends their delicate sensibilities, when it's offensive to the women who work for the state. When Cuomo offends those who work for the state, they come after him. It's not too dissimilar to what we see with Antifa. Of Of the rioters, the Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters who have actually been charged, arrested, and are facing trial or been convicted. How many of them were the people who attacked small businesses? Very few, if any. How many of them have been, were the people who attacked government buildings? Ah, a lot more. And not even all that many, to be completely honest. We saw the siege on the Portland Federal Building. And the Democrats say, you know, for the most of these people just sitting around doing whatever, we don't care. When they attack cops, we don't care. There was a guy on video seen struggling with and fighting police. Cut him loose. But what about the lady who set fire to the police station? Ah, they went after her. What about some of the people who are actually engaged in setting fire to other police buildings and government buildings? Ah, they go after them. I believe the man who was seen setting fire to the police precinct in Minnesota, oh, he got the book thrown at him. Because we are in, right now, my friends, anarcho-tyranny. And this is a great example, and you need to understand if we don't get some change, some reform, then we are doomed. Because I'll tell you, outside of all of the political conflict, outside of the, 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 cultural, the culture war and the divide, we have regular Americans watching as the laws will be enforced against them, but not against the elites. And only when the elite offends the other elites does anything actually get done. Anarcho-tyranny. They'll come to your house. They'll protest. They'll burn down your business. And the police will say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. 
Oh, but they show up to a politician's home. Well, then something happens. They can show up to the home of, uh, or at least what they thought was the home of a potential witness in the murder trial, in a murder trial. And what happens? Whole lot of nothing. They can stage hoaxes and claim all the stupidest things in the world, and they will get the entire media apparatus defending them. Cuomo can literally murder 15,000 people or so in these nursing homes, because I tell you this, he had foreknowledge, he had the means, he had the motivation, and perhaps, you know what, I'll say this, perhaps murder is strong, perhaps negligent homicide. I don't think his intent was to kill all of these people, but he knew his actions would lead in this direction, and he did it anyway, and he can do that, and he gets a free pass, and I can't believe it. Then we have the story from over a year ago, from May of 2020, where we knew Cuomo was wrong about his nursing home policy. And then we learn later that he obfuscated the numbers. This is mid-pandemic. We know what's happening. We watch it. And still now, over a year later, the man, nothing. Until he offended the delicate sensibilities of the progressive left. In which case, here we are. Now, is it possible that Cuomo, like, let's, 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 let's speak to this, like, honestly, was actually just, you know, being European styled in the grab in the face and being like, thank you for coming to this, the day of my daughter's wedding and then kissing on the cheek. Did he mean anything by it? It's entirely possible Cuomo did not. Now, there's stories about him reaching into the shirt of a woman and things like that. So, OK, I think we should definitely, you know, talk about that. But it's entirely possible that in many of these circumstances, Cuomo was just being his, you know, dopey normal self. And now we have the machine and how it works and how it backfires on people like Cuomo. So if you were to look at the situation, it's in my, in my opinion, it's nothing but an indictment for the establishment elites and the establishment Democratic Party, the media, the overstate, the, the cathedral, whatever you want to call it. Because either Cuomo did this and they, and, and, and they don't care about the, the nursing homes, or he didn't, but he ran afoul of the, the cult and the ideology. In which case, you can just see how awful things will be moving forward. It's become a clown show, a clown world, as it were. I, uh, I bring you now to a world in which a politician could take action that directly results in the death of tens, uh, 10 plus thousand people and will face no accountability, but he touches women's faces and immediately they recoil in horror. Anarcho-tyranny is real. To the people like Janice Dean, you know, we had her on the show in an IRL who is, who is fighting to get some accountability because it was her husband's parents, her, 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 her in-laws, who died in nursing homes. I believe it was both. I could be wrong. Um, because of COVID. Where's the justice for Janice Dean? Where's the justice for all the people who, have, who saw what he did? There's no justice for you. What about the owners of the small businesses in places like Portland and, 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 and Minneapolis? There was no justice for them. But when it comes to these women who work, in this, for, work for the state, they complain about Cuomo and it serves a political purpose. Congratulations. You'll get your, your, your cause to advance forward. It's a horrifying reality to be, uh, to be in. And I certainly hope that there is reform and there is accountability moving forward. But I'm not uh, confident. Not, in, not at all. My friends, the next segment is coming up tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl, where we are going to have Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA and Socialist Vosh of YouTube. Several hundred thousand subscribers to Charlie Kirk's millions, but they are going to be dis debating and discussing economic policy, critical race theory, among other things. You know what? I didn't really plan a whole lot for what we're going to do other than we're going to hang out and talk. 
And it'll be a great opportunity to uh, uh, see these ideas in, in real time. Now, of course, Vasha said it's going to be three right wingers versus one. I don't know what he means by three. I don't know if he's referring to Ian or Lydia. And sure, he can call me right wing. I get it. But uh, it's going to be interesting when we're both arguing with Charlie about universal health care, right? I don't know how that's going to play out. But perhaps it's because Vosh doesn't actually know my content and pays attention mostly to just out of context grifter clips. So this should be fascinating. I'm a moderate, centrist, rather libertarian, lean left on a lot of policy issues, don't like the Democratic Party. And we'll see how this one plays out. Should be a whole lot of fun. So make sure you check it out at youtube.com slash timcastirl. And we'll see you there at 8 p.m.